on the tee from USA. You know, batting both ways. Four overweight Italians that are just scrambling to break bar. I got more confirmed kills on the golf course than probably anybody else I know. If I break 90, I'd be ecstatic. That's just me playing psychological warfare with my uh, playing partner. Boys, it has finally happened. Bryson DeChambeau wins a major, wins the U.S. Open at Winged Foot. Everybody, welcome. It's the 27th episode of the Monday Qualifier. Fresh off the U.S. Open, Bryson DeChambeau, the big boy, Beefcakes, picks up his first major victory. Everyone, how are we feeling on a Sunday evening? Shocked and bewildered. <laughs> That's it. You guys are not nearly as excited about this as I am. I had a uh, hot take that Bryson would miss the cut, and you can yeah. see it scorching. The only reason I'm excited is just to say I told you so because I picked him in our little draft. It's just, uh, it's just the whole thing with him winning is that it goes against what every not not even what you know what we talk about, but what everybody in the golf world talked about, which was putting an emphasis on how hard it was to get to, to hit these fairways and how important it was, and he just goes out and hits an abysmal amount of fairways and wins the golf tournament by six shots. Like, that's why I'm so, I'm so shocked. I'm shocked that it was over par. I'm shocked that he won. I'm not shocked at, you know, the way he did it. He said he was going to do that and, you know, more power to him. But that, that's why I'm just shocked is that there's just no premium on what the USGA and Wingfoot won it, which was hitting fairways. Yeah, I, uh... somebody on the coverage earlier today was saying that Bryson winning today would be as transformational to the game of golf as Francis we met winning the 1913 US Open at the country club. <laughs> like they think it'll change the game that much with how he, uh, his strategy being so different than everybody else and him, him uh, showing everyone that that's kind of the way to do it now. So I thought that was like a really bold thing to say. I forget who said it, but um, I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but uh, maybe we just witnessed history today for all we know. I think it's a, it's like there's been a, a like a slight breaking in the ice for a very long time about this distance talk. And it's gotten a little bit worse as time has gone on. And finally, I think this is the very, very, you know, the crack that breaks all the ice and it's all going to come crumbling the same way. I think how there was a lot of belly putter winners and, all that kind of thing. And then they had to do something to change the rules. And I think this actually might be the beginning of a rule change potentially. And um, I don't think we'll know that answer for, <clears throat> you know, three, four years, because it's going to be very hard to roll it back. Guys, way more difficult to do that than change the putter. But I don't know. This, uh, it was cool. He's, I mean, he just obliterated everyone today. He played so good. Why is it that like Bryson wins and our first takeaways are like, this is what's wrong with the game of golf. I didn't say it was. Holy shit. I know you're not saying it's like, but like, our takeaway should be like he just had a fantastic round. That's what I said. Three under, only round under par today. He's like transformed the game. Things. I, I just all of our reactions on your guys around are like, oh, this is just not what the USJ wants. Like, what about Bryson? He, he becomes, I think, it's the the sixth player to win a U.S. Amateur and a U.S. Open. I, I think you're not hearing. I think it's almost cool what he did. He's like, screw you, USGA. If you're not going to change the rules and make golf the way golf is supposed to be played, I'm just going to break it and completely say F you and stick a middle finger at them while they just bully the golf course that was supposed to, this was supposed to not happen at all and be almost impossible to do this at. Oh, he, all right. I got to go. Silent he's now. getting he's all emotional right crying. now. He's on, he's on a webcam with his, his yeah, parents. Max. We're getting on here right after uh, everything and really just finished. Yeah, guys, but... I'll talk to you in like 10 minutes. <laughs> but so Bryson DeChambeau wins average of 
uh, almost five and a half strokes gained per day. Um, specifically, T to green, he averaged um, in, during the event an average of four and a half strokes gained T to green. Um, and so, like, yeah, we always talk about his ability to hit approach shots close and everything, but I think this is the whole culmination of just completing everything he's been working toward. And everyone said, you know, this might not be the one who'll win. The one who's going to win is the Masters. But, I mean, he just dominated here on a Sunday when – and nobody else was able to break par. I think there was three rounds under par yesterday. Like, this was a substantial and an unbelievable weekend from him. I just don't know. I mean, this is just, I, I think Mac, Max was trying to say is like how unique of a U.S. Open this was, Sam. And like, I completely agree with you. Like, good for Bryson DeChambeau. And I, if that came, if we came off like, oh, what's wrong with the game? I don't think that's what we meant. Um, I think just nobody knows what to say because this whole, I mean, just the whole week, it was so emphasized. It was basically more emphasized that you needed to play the golf course based on accuracy rather than, you know, I don't know, distance or, or power or whatever, and that, that the golf course was going to, you know, eat you alive if you did that. And and he just completely disproved. And I think that's more kind of what we're – that's more what I'm shocked by. Not that he did it or not that there was anything wrong with it because clearly there wasn't. I'm just saying, can't we celebrate like how great of a win this is for the scientists that everyone's just ripped on for so long between first it was the single length clubs. Now it's spritzing the ball on the range. I mean, there's been so many different things that he's done, but it's all been leading towards success. And this is now the completion of like, not only was the question mark, can he compete in majors? And he was able to do that at PGA, but now he goes out and wins the U S open. Like the whole culmination of everything he's tried to do is change the way people look at a game that has been so much more of a traditionalist uh, way of thinking. And he, he's transformed that already, I think. Well, of, of all the majors and all the golf courses that I thought would completely shut down his, his uh, method and approach to the game, I thought it was going to be this one at this golf course. And I'll be the first to say that, that I was wrong. I, I did not see this coming at all. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just kind of at a loss of words. Yeah, and I mean, another reason I think he won was just, like, the amount of self-belief he has in what he was doing. So, like, everyone's been doubting him for these past several months, and he's continued to do the exact same thing and stick to this philosophy that he's uh, he's taken on post, um, post-COVID. And, you know, maybe that's another reason why uh, he was so successful, aside from just his strategy of hitting driver as far as he could. I mean on a course like this where it's so easy to to have a bad hole or a bad stretch of holes, if you really believe in, in yourself and how you're approaching the game, I think that's another reason why he was able to um, kind of stick through and, and come out on top this week. You can't doubt his work ethic. They were showing him uh, all day today, being on the range last night in dark with the lights on, pounding drivers in three woods, getting ready for today. So work ethic wise you can't say there's anyone that works harder than he does my my only caveat sam that i'll say is that yes he won but it's it's not like he drove the ball any better he still hit not like he didn't he didn't drive it accurate he he didn't you can't say that he drove it accurately he didn't so so, I'm not, so that's that's all that's my only caveat to it is is you know 
it's basically he just hits it much further than everybody. Yeah. It's not that he is wing foot a bomb and gouge golf course. Oh, I mean, we'll talk about that first. Don't, don't get too excited. But I think the thing with this is like, if you look at it, Bryson's strategy into was I'm going to hit driver everywhere to hit it as close to the green, because if I try to hit a three wood or an iron and I miss the green or miss the, excuse me, the fairway, then I have to hit some sort of eight iron out of that rough. Whereas if I just hit drivers everywhere I can, most of the time I'll be having a wedge in and I just hit it on the center of the green and two putt. And we all know how great of a putter is. So his whole strategy. Yeah. Was it, but it's always been, I think about, I don't care about hitting it straight. I just care about getting it as close to the hole as possible. And I think in a U.S. open where like being closer to par is, is, is obviously what you're trying to do compared to like a different tournament where 20 under wins it. That strategy really works because it's just about getting it on the green, two putting and getting out of there where if you're coming from the rough from 70 yards out, it's harder to make birdies when you're, everyone's going low. So I think that full-on strategy was really, really successful. And again, it's not always about for him. He's like, I don't care about hitting it straight. Obviously, he has to stay on the planet somewhere. But as long as he just gets it as far down there as he can, it, it substantially gives him a better chance to hit the green and, and execute on those two putts. And as we're watching this, uh, they're giving Bryson the trophy right now. I'm surprised he's able to lift that thing. It looks pretty heavy for him. He's kind of a scrawny guy, so hopefully he doesn't <laughs> Can't pop he can get the top it off like Morikawa. <laughs> also, shout out to John Pack. I'm the low am. Didn't even he only am. Sure the top was on. That was his joke. He like touched the top. Was like, oh, okay, I just want to make sure the top was off. <laughs> oh, because of the whole Colin Morikawa thing. I have a question though, All and right. I think I'm totally switching topics. I'm sorry, I've been completely away from the conversation, but. Um, what is worse, or who? Sorry, let me rephrase that better. Who do we like better, the Masters chairmans or the USGA chairmans? Masters. Masters, probably. I had listened to that Mike CEO talk for the Mike USGA, Davis. and holy cow, it was like Point Dexter out there. What's I liked the, I don't know if you guys watched it, but they, they were talking to like the director of competitions or something for the USGA the other day. And I liked him a lot. I can't think of his name, but he, uh, he seemed like an intelligent guy and um, it kind of made you like see the rationale behind any of the, the USGA uh, setups that have been criticized in the past and kind of how they approached this one. And by the way, I think the setup this week was pretty good. I don't think anybody really complained about it. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? We'll talk there... about that. You know, we'll get into it. I think we talk about some players first, but unless we oh. want to talk about it now, I don't mind. I I thought that the pins were a little bit redundant on some of those holes. You like on one, and th- there were just like a couple spots where I was like, wasn't this the pin on Friday? It it was only like four or five feet to the left or right of where they were. I don't so I don't know about pin positions if they really could mix them up that much. Well, I think greens are rolling at like a 13 and the slopes are that wicked. There's probably not a ton of spots for it, but I never forgot that feeling by any means. No, I, I just thought that if, if you look at the pin positions each day, some of them look like they were in similar spots. Yeah, AJ, I mean, the one on one today, I think to what your, to your point, I think it was like probably five feet from the one um, during the second round. But that's the only one I can think of though, that, that I thought was like pretty much the same. There were a couple, but clearly I didn't come here prepared to defend that argument. <laughs> no, I, I half agree with you, though. But I think, I think Sam's right, though. It's probably just they don't have that many options on some of the holes, and they want to make sure they're exciting pins. So they uh, almost reused a couple. So, uh, Sam, I know you want to talk players, but before you do that, you know, is, you anybody, yeah, is anybody disappointed in the, in the strictly the numbers? Not who won or who shot what number, but strictly the numbers. Six under one, second is even, and then, you know, 
progressively over par from there. Is anybody disappointed in the scoring? No, so, not in the slightest. I think that the USGA prides themselves on being the toughest competition for golfers, and you had one guy shoot under par in 144-person field. I think if you're trying to determine the best golfer, that was a pretty good test. And he, he won by six shots. And I just think that – I wouldn't say I was, I'm disappointed at all. I think it, it's a fair test on what was out there. No one complained except for <laughs> there's that uh, – Rumor that the greenskeeper on Thursday or the superintendent on Thursday night was livid at how the course played so easy. So, okay. Well, other than the first day, I, the last three days were fun to watch. And so my follow up to that is that I, I am not at all disappointed. I, I had no interest in seeing an eight to 12 over par winner. I mean, they set this golf course up fair. Yes, it played easy on Thursday, but you know, there were so many, there are so many X factors that they can control. Like it's not, they couldn't do anything about that. They, they, set the golf course up. They said they had it where they wanted it. And to anybody that's like, uh, like I know Max wanted to see carnage, but we all did. I, I had no interest in seeing that. I wanted so, to see a tough fair and I didn't want to see anybody bitch about it. And I don't think anybody did. And if somebody, if that, if Steve Rabideau, you know, the director of, you know, the grounds and everything at Wingfoot was pissed about that, then I think that just means that he has, you know, no ability to set up a golf course the way that should be then. So well, I don't I guess, put him on, put him on oh blast there. I, so, I think the better question is like, well, were you angry with how it was set up on Thursday then, Colin? Absolutely, absolutely not. I was surprised. I was but surprised. But if that was a four days, it was set up like that on Thursday for four straight days. And I predicted, and I predicted that it was four over was going to win. And so when they shot, when Justin Thomas shot five under after the first day, I was like, okay, that's surprising, but I'm not at all disappointed in it. I thought that, I mean, it was, you still had guys shooting 80. I mean, it's just, it depends who, who shows up to play that day and who doesn't, you know, and then the golf course got progressively more difficult over, you know, then it was 76 average score yesterday, or uh, Friday, 74 Saturday. I don't know what it was today, but we only had one guy break par. Like, that's, that's exactly what they wanted. You just, you had guys that got off to a hot start on Thursday. Like, I don't you know, there was 21 rounds under par on Thursday. The course was significantly set up differently. So saying that Steve Rabideau doesn't know what he's doing, he went in, if this is true, allegedly, and chewed him out to make the course challenging, like that's how we expect a U.S. Open to be. If you had gotten four straight days of 21 guys under par, of course the winner's not going to be 20 under, but I think you're looking at 10, 12 under par winning that. And so I think yeah, that's where the value, I think, like where, where he did, I think he set it up better. If it was like Thursday every day, I guess I would have been like, this is annoying. I want to see what I saw. I think Friday through Sunday was a perfect test of golf. Yeah, I would have been disappointed if it was Thursday. Thursday set up four days in a row as well. I think, yeah, it would have been 12 under winning. But, but it wasn't, and I think the USGA knew it wasn't going to be. You know, maybe it played easier than they thought on Thursday, but if it's truly, if it's truly because humidity was this and there was no wind, like what do you want the USGA to do about that? Completely trick the golf course out because that's when you start getting people that are looking at it as, you know, unfair. And, and then that's, and that's Thursday. If you got, if you got the whole field bitching on Thursday, then you're already behind the eight ball. So I'm fine with them erring on the side of, of the way that they did. I think you saw the greens today. They were saying how the color changed and that they were quicker and whatnot. I think if they started with those conditions on Thursday, a lot of people would have been upset. Yeah, I also think the pin positions on Thursday were the easiest, though, paired with like the easier conditions. So I think uh, it's, it was probably too late when they when they woke up and saw what the weather was like that day. But 
they could have changed some of the pins, I felt like, and, and put them in tougher spots. Because I did feel like those were the most benign pins of all, all four days. And I think I had said that in, in one of our group chats on Thursday when we were I'll, watching it. I think what. the looming question is, Colin, do you think you could still shoot 75? <laughs> What's uh, – am I playing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday? Um, well, okay, <laughs> guy. Uh, let, we'll, we'll go. No. The answer is yes, regardless. I think the question <laughs> – You're dying on the it's just like It's just like how easily you break 75. Yeah, it, is what you're is trying 70 to or 65 in the card a better question? Yeah, that, that's, that's, I think that's the looming question, AJ. Yes, I'm breaking 75. And anybody that said I didn't, okay, you guys go out, find somebody to get me on the golf course in the next two weeks, and we we will we will determine this. The one amount thing, of people one thing that I have said that you're crazy. I don't think I found one person that's like, oh no, that's reasonable. One thing I will say is I think it's way easier to shoot 75 at Wingfoot even today than it is to shoot, go and shoot 10 under in a Web.com Monday qualifier and get in the tournament. Yeah, I mean, I, that, I I don't want to get down that rabbit hole. Do you, do you disagree with me though? I, Sam I, don't, I don't have a take on that. You're saying it's easier to shoot five under in a final round of a U.S. Open? No, five over. Five over, excuse me, than ten under in a Monday qualifier? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, it probably, like, would be more accurate. Like, if you just look at pure, like, statistic and numbers, you're probably right. I don't know. Okay. I don't have any information to try to refute that, there. I guess. <laughs> I'm shooting 75 um, or couple, better. Move on. A couple of holes that I loved, though, was six. I thought it was great. Um, I hate when the announcers are always like, one of the greatest short drivable par fours in the world. Like, they say that about every, like, major championship course. So, like, if they're all the greatest, then, like, are any of them? Just saying. But I thought it was a lot of fun to watch that hole. Um, I did love the way that they were, like, using the green complexes and everything. You had the really – I mean, I wouldn't say really, but, like, kind of the really shorter par five and nine. And then, a, a, you know, the 12th hole, which was, like, only a select few of guys were able to get there in two every day. So um, kind of a good, basically different type of uh, par five. And then all the four par threes are, I like phenomenal par threes at that golf course. Just fun to watch. Great to see guys hitting like eight. I mean, they, I think they said with the wind adjustment today, number three for Bryson was like 257. Like, I think it's fun to watch some of that stuff for those guys. And then how great they are with those long irons is incredible. Yeah, I uh, I think the par threes are I don't know. There's some of that they're pretty benign. Um, they have really cool green complexes. Uh, three is my favorite uh, of the of the par threes. Um, it's just like it's just a brutal hole, uh, but it's fun to watch. I mean, that was I mean it was brutal for everybody. And two fifty seven was it? What was it like two forty something on the on the card? The card like two forty three. I but think. But played fifteen into the wind or something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's and Just 10 10 was 10 was not when I was there 10 did not have that tee box. It, I think we played it maxed out at 185 so that 225 to 215 tee box was not there. Um and that would just be an absolute bitch of a hole from there. Yeah, I mean I think as a whole, the golf course was phenomenal to watch. And I, I guess, yeah, there's I mean, not a lot of complaints. I don't know if it's just because of, like, the rich history, people aren't going to complain. But, I, like, you see that with Shinnecock, and people always bitch and whine about that place. So I just don't understand. Like, and it, maybe, you know, somebody that likes to see that, Sam, like, you know, explain to me why it's – why you want to see somebody, you know, shoot, I don't know, eight, eight over par to win the U.S. Open. Because well, if you have the best well, players in the world, relative. right. But I'm saying if you, 
But if you have the best players in the world shooting eight over par, they're obviously something, you know, what is it difficult? Is it unfair? You know, why? And like, I, I just don't understand what good it does to see somebody struggle like that for no, you know, for no reason. I guess my whole thought is like pars for the most part relative. Like it's more of they're just playing against the score. Like you, yeah, you can set it. Hey, this is kind of the metric of what we're targeting for. Um, like, it, it, do I sit here and say I love watching eight over? I think it's fun to watch every now and then a tournament get to that point. Um, I think if the week, like, so yes, to answer your question, but I, I think like worrying about that score is not the greatest. I think it's great watching a guy separate himself like Bryson was able to do on the back nine today. That's more impressive than anything. I mean, he had a one-shot lead stepping on the 10th tee, and then all of a sudden ends up winning by six. So, Did you guys know that Billy Casper laid up on three four days in a row and made par every time? I think they yeah, mentioned Yeah, they didn't him. tell us that a hundred times during the yeah. coverage. All right. I, I know we talked about this briefly in a text. I'm still sick of these playing through commercials and what we were kind of talking about the broadcast. And again, you guys, you guys might like, like we, we need to look at the information. I'm just thinking that like, if in the past we had 20%, basically to, to all the listeners playing through is when they go to a commercial break, but they show some of the footage. And I think that they've had more commercials now because of it. Um, but basically like where if they had 20% of the footage was commercials where you got no footage during the commercial and 80% was the coverage. Now it's 75% as the coverage with 10% playing through and you get to see this small box of golf which like, i guess is better but we're still losing more five percent of coverage that's my like opinion on the whole thing but, but are we though like are those no, I know, like, I know. actual I don't know. numbers I just are feel they like we are so i could be complaining about something that is completely irrelevant right that's where like i i can't even like take a side on this unless i know that we're actually losing some of the coverage or whether it's the same like we need this whether we're maybe seeing more of it just some of it's without volume now and you have an ad playing with with the volume yeah on, i mean if that's the case then the i'm all screen. for it Right. So that's where I don't, I don't even know. So as far as opinions go on, on the coverage, and not just, you know, not just majors, but the PGA tour in general, as far as opinions go, I have kept silent on this for a long time. And I, I am absolutely fine with, you know, both CBS and NBC's coverage. I don't think people understand how hard it is to, to cover golf like this. And yeah, Sam, in my, for as far as the playing through goes, it's more like it's more golf. It's it's either golf or commercials, and now you're seeing the golf. And well, then I'll the, take the, it, I'm saying there's more commercials because of it. But I'll take it. Wrong. I'll take it one step further and say that people that complain about not seeing coverage of certain players, like like I saw a, a big one, <clears throat> just kind of throughout social media and whatever throughout the whole U.S. Open, people were complaining that they didn't see like Victor Hovland, and I'm like, when was Victor Hovland relevant in this golf tournament? Like, if you want to see if say for instance tiger woods was winning this golf tournament or even relevant in this golf tournament you wouldn't if, if people miss a single single shot of his they'd be fucking irate about it you want to see the leaders got zero coverage though on friday i know he had a horrible Thursday why would you why would you show somebody that's not playing well well i'm not like, arguing about that why you want to see those people still right but that's well, what, hovland was kind of in the mix though like my you saw a few of his he was his consistently he was consistently eight to ten shots back yeah i mean colin i yeah. get your point my complaint was on 14 when uh bryson and wolf are both teeing off and it's a it's a it's like a three shot uh deficit at that point bryson hooks one in the left rough they don't know if it's in the hazard or not then wolf does the same thing all during the playing through like let's see it live let's get some freaking feedback from the announcers oh they're in the left rough oh it's down by the hazard they just come back from the commercial and they're like 
Well, if you just joined us, you, you probably saw that both drivers went left for Wolf, and this is on the fifth to last one in a major championship. That's yeah. my whole complaint with it. But. Well, but I mean, Sam, like five minutes later, we had the uh, ad-free coverage started where we didn't have any commercials for the last like four or five holes. So shout out to Rolex and their $5,000 watches for giving us that. But I think that's why, though, like they had to get some in like right before that. And so they, they, you know, you had to take a hit on the 14th tee, which like at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter that much in my opinion. I, I just think what co- the, the coverage that people want is unrealistic. And if people want to see individual golfers, cause that's their favorite golfer, that's a bit selfish to come at an entire broadcast because they want to see, you know, Victor Hovland shoot 75 and when he's irrelevant in a golf tournament, like, so, it's just, I, I, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a, like coming at you or anybody no, in particular, I'm coming at the Everyone general consensus that, that golf, that golf coverage is bad. I, I completely disagree with that. I think it's fine. I think that they do actually, I think they do a pretty good job with it. Um, and they're going to show the most relevant players, whether you like them or not. So that's what, the way that you have to think about it. In so my what would you consider relevant is I guess like my question when you're talking about that, like top 10, I don't know. I mean, in this instance, it was a two horse race, uh, you know, like nobody ever made a move back to under par or even par and Bryson was five shots ahead of them. So like on this golf, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I the reason know. I'm asking it's that a, is because one guy in particular who was in the top 10, actually top six, there was no coverage of him on Sunday and it bothered the crap out of me. That was Will Zalator. <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> oh, I he, couldn't see you getting heated on that one. But Sam, when you say that, you're like, oh, top six. Like, yeah, he must have been the mix, but he was 11 shots back. He finished I, 11 shots back. Okay, I don't think this is fair for you to say, Colin, because, like, they still have to show golf coverage, and you can't just be like, and here's – They're not going to show. Why would you show? You, you, can't, you can't base it on, like, the final leaderboard, leaderboard either because things are shuffling around, like, I, I, all Honestly, the, the only reason I brought him up there is just because I wanted to, like – rub in that Will's Altor set T6 and I had to like shout out myself for that. Like, no, I, had nothing I get to do. that, but the... Completely disagree with that. Both of what you're saying that you don't want to show coverage based on relevancy. No, you Colin, I completely it. understand I know, your I thing. Do. I, I, I'm, I, Colin, I get your point. I literally brought that up specifically because I want to bring a Will's Altor. So it had nothing but it's just to do a, with anything else. It's a difficult balance though, because it's like you want to show every single shot that the top probably like, I don't know, eight guys or 10 guys are hitting. Mm-hmm. So then that doesn't leave you much airtime uh, yeah. to show anybody else, really. Well, so it's just outside of that, you're showing like a shot here and there of some guys who are in the top like 15 or, or top 20. And then you're showing like some great shots when someone like holes out from a bunker or yeah. something like that. That's kind of like, I think that's kind of all they can really do. I mean, if, I mean, if you want to see more people, I think that means you don't get to see every shot from every in the from guys in the top 10. I see. I mean, but I feel like they did that. Like, so well hung Jay was, you know, 30 fucking shots out of the tournament, but they showed him, you know, chipping in after he dusts one on 18 yesterday. So like, I had, I just, I, I guess I disagree in that instance, Jimbo, where yes, it's moving, but like, it's really only ever between, well, you know, these I, X, Y, and Z guys, and that's who they're going to cover. And that's who they do cover. And I feel like they do a good job of that. I, I, I don't, yeah, I think we're kind of all saying like different things about similar topic, but yeah, I mean, I guess like another guy who just, I, I wanted to start talking about some players. So Matthew Wolf had the, the final round lead going into today was at five under shoots five over today, actually loses um, 0.1 shots on the field compared to all the averages. Um, 
first U.S. Open, takes the league going in the final round, obviously shoots five over, was struggling keeping the ball in play. Kind of our takeaways from Matthew Wolf. I mean, it was looking like it was like, oh, my God, we're going to have more Cowell win hit like a major real early on. Then Wolf, like, I just what's your initial takeaways when it comes to, to Matthew Wolf now? I'm not shocked that he choked and Morikawa didn't because if you listen to them talk, you understand how much more mature Morikawa is. I mean, he's also like two and a half years older than him. It's a big difference. But I, I don't like – I don't – I'm not ready to say he like can't close or anything like yeah, that. I, it's I'm, his first major. I think, I think he need you know, he's only been there twice. And, yeah, he's he's lost twice to Bryson, you know, once in Detroit, now once in uh, – But he also beat Morikawa that one time and Bryson when he yeah. won his 3M. Like, true, true. And uh, – yeah, no, I think it's just one of those things where um, it's almost more difficult to have, like, a lead that's, like, three or four shots. I feel like if it were me, I'd rather be, like, a couple shots back going into Sunday just because uh, Less pressure. you don't have to sleep on it. I think you, you're in a better headspace when, when you're in that situation. But then you think about, like, Tiger. Um, I don't know. At this point, has he ever come from behind to win a major? I feel in like he's Masters, always – That was his first time Okay, he did it against Frank Molinari. Yeah, so with him, I mean, he he always relished having the lead going into the final round, but I I don't know. I mean, I think I think with Wolf, he's so young that he'll definitely get one. Um, it's just a matter of time, and well, you know, I think he just has to like kind of keep putting himself in position. Yeah, I think the big thing to take away with Wolf is so he won the three M Open and then kind of like fell off for a while. We didn't hear much from him. We didn't have a ton from him. He wasn't having a great season going into the COVID break. Um, he played in that TaylorMade relief, and then he's had a pretty good restart since that. He had a really good PGA, which was his actual first major, um, getting in the top five. And now this, I mean, like, he's a guy who I think similar to what we talk about with these majors where hitting it far is, is a massive advantage. He's a guy that fits in that category who, like, almost can keep up distance-wise with DeChambeau. And, and clearly when it was Harding Park and, and now this place, significant advantage for guys who just hit the ball a mile. But, like, you're right, Jimmy. I think he's just going to continue to be there more and more, and he just needs to gain experience. What do you think about this, too? I mean, looking at younger generations, you have two very unique guys at the top of the U.S. Open leaderboard, one guy that has changed golf with his fitness routine and his uh, diet habits, and then you have Matt Wolf, who has a completely outrageous swing. Like, Do you think that is going to impact any younger generations growing up, seeing those two at the top of the leaderboard be like, okay, well, maybe there's something to this. Like, you don't need to have a textbook swing to play well, or you can be big and bulky and everything. Yeah, I think I think definitely it shows that that'll give people confidence to kind of do their own thing. And, uh, you know, all the, like, as far as Matt Wolf's swing goes, all that matters is is what you do at impact, and he's very consistent with his impact position. And, you know, that's, that's what really matters. <laughs> yeah, and so one thing I will say, though, negatively about – his uh, swing and the way he hits the ball is he hits down on it so much and he hits it so high that he'll struggle in the wind with, with that. Um, obviously he's a very accomplished player and has played at Oklahoma state where it's windy. So he, he obviously has figured it out to a certain extent, but I think his margin for error on windy days is a little smaller than a guy like, I don't know who hits oh. it low. Uh, Bryson does Bryson hits it high too. So I don't want yeah, to compare it to him. Hits but, it a mile in the air. Like yeah, Joaquin, but, like they were saying Joaquin, yeah. like this was a double-edged sword though, Jimbo, because they were saying Joaquin Neiman, who was playing really well coming into this. I mean, the guy hits it 20 feet off the ground and they're like, you're just, you're, you're just, you're going to struggle at a place like Wingfoot where you need to be able to hit the ball high and soft at times. 
Well, it's yeah, it's, like it's probably easier for him to hit fairways, but like you have to be able to bring it in high and soft to some of those pins. So you got to be able to probably do both, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I mean, talking about these players, like my, you know, we I think we kind of touched on it, but we didn't get some hard opinions on it. Like, is this gonna be the tipping point of changing technology and you know putting parameters on drivers and balls? But again, I ask, like, what good does that do? Is it, is it to bring the big hitters back to the field? Is it to make the golf course more relevant? What do you think that the, the point of that would be? Well, I mean, they said that Wingfoot bought some property behind 16T to lengthen that hole to whatever it was today, 490 or something, because they didn't want guys to be able to cut the corner. And then Bryson goes and hits this big high draw that cuts the corner. And he, you know, that, it was one of the best shots he hit all day, probably. So that's that's where I think the argument stems from, where you have literally, literally investments being made to make courses play how they're meant to be played, and then they're still not able to to play that way on, on some days and in, in certain conditions um, for certain players. So that's where I think the argument's coming from, not to say that I think they should dial anything back. I, I'm still kind of in the camp where distance is, is a talent and you should you know, you should be rewarded for that. And there shouldn't be efforts to kind of bring everybody into a level playing field. So in my eyes, I don't think they should change anything, but I think the, it certainly didn't help the conversation with the way, uh, the way things played out today. I hear your question, Colin, and I raise you the rebuttal of Zach Johnson, who is the shortest guy out there right now and got a top eight finish. So yeah, but that's, I guess that's my, my thing, AJ, is is it to bring – is it to make the golf course more I, – maybe I didn't ask this correctly. I thought I – is it to help the guys like Zach Johnson or is it to not embarrass the golf course? Well, is that asked better or differently? Definitely yeah, okay, differently. so let me explain it to you this way. Like, like guys like Zach Johnson, like, yeah, you know, I guess he had a top eight finish, but again, as we talked about, what, what did he finish – uh, 12 13 something back like again the relevancy of him being in even with a top eight finish but pricing completely wingfoot yeah. goes out spends money to lengthen a golf course and bryson still hits it over essentially telling you know the usga and wingfoot you can go do that but i'm just going to keep hitting it further mm-hmm. but imagine this rule change the reading of the usga in a few years when they say a player will not cut a corner more than 10 degrees or they'll be stroke. Like, that's the shit that I'm wondering. Is it coming out of well, bounds? I don't think they're like vertical up in the sky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like field goals, you have to hit it in through. Yeah, I don't think they'll this. do that. But like, they, I mean, they were interviewing Mike Davis on Wednesday night at, at live from the US Open. And he was saying, like, they asked him the question about rolling the equipment back, rolling the ball back, giving professionals a set type of equipment different than amateurs. And the response was, we, they were coming out with a report this year, but because of everything based on COVID and everything, they pushed it back a year. Um, because there was a bunch of other stuff that they had to do. So I think that report's coming. And, and what, what, you know, what does that mean? Who knows? Is it just like, hey, I mean, they came out and basically said, we're aware that this is a problem, but they haven't come up with a solution. And I think this was going to be like step one of the solution. So, you know, are they going to come out and be like, yeah, we're, you know, we're working with the equipment manufacturers to come up with a solution. Like that's not a response, but if they're going to come back and say, we're going to evaluate different ways to limit player professional equipment different than amateur. I think that's when that report will come out and we'll, we'll know more at the beginning of next year. Um, but, so, but that is going to be something that's going to happen down the road. I think. Here's yeah, one so, thing I would say though, like we had kind of anticipated 
you know, with the U.S. Open being this week, that there may be some bitching from the players and how the course is set up. That didn't happen this week. But one thing I will say is if the players don't want the, the ball to be rolled back and any, you know, anti-distance measures to be put in place, they should really steer away from complaining about how the courses are set up because that's really the only thing that anybody has to um, – sort of fight back against that. So I think it's, it's sort of either one or the other, like you have to be able to set courses up extremely difficult or you have to probably put something in place to uh, to curb, you know, distance and, and make sure that a lot of these great courses are still playable. So, um, you know- I agree with you there. That, I think it's, I it's gotta be one or the other and there, it's a decision point you have to make, but you gotta be consistent. You can't complain about how the courses are set up and say, you know, let's hit it as far as we can because you don't want 30 under to win every week. Now, in, I, you guys might be able to speak to this. And sorry, AJ, I kind of cut you off there. Um, is there any players who sit there and say, like, no, we don't need to roll the equipment back by any means? Or like, has it, I don't know if anyone's came out and said, like, yes, Bryson DeChambeau is clearly taking advantage of, let's not say a loophole, just he is building his game around what he's supposed to do to win golf tournaments and giving himself the best opportunity. But is there anyone who's come out and been like, Clearly the distance is there's something issue wrong. I'm clearly doing this to take advantage or, you know, I don't think we should roll it back by any, like, I don't, has any players actually come out and made any comments about that? There was a tweet from a player and I, I cannot remember who it is. I, I want to say like Sun Kang or something like someone uh, was like at PGA tour or at USGA, don't punish us for just one guy's, you know, game plan or something like that and I don't know if that answers your question Sam but my my the way I take that is I I don't think the players are thinking Bryson has an unfair advantage or anything like that I think the players would say if they start making 8,000 9,000 yard golf courses for one guy that starts to get unfair I don't I think all the players are on one side um, of, of all of this. I don't know if that yeah. answers or helps, but. Yeah. Um, and I think it, my whole thing again is hitting the ball a far way is a skill. Um, now I get their whole point is, you know, Bryson hitting it 20% farther than Zach Johnson. If we are able to limit the equipment by 10%, that lowers that gap between Zach Johnson and him from what could be 50 yards to 30 yards, but they're still going to give those guys that distance. And I completely get they need to do something with Bryson's hitting a tee shot 390 yards and a pitching wedge into a 565 yard par five. Like they're like, this is what part of the issue is, I guess. He hit a, an eight iron 240 yards on the par three on the back nine today. I, I mean, mean, a guy hit a seven iron there. Harris English did. <laughs> yeah. But still, I mean, you, you talk about length like that back in the day, like what would Jack Nicholas hit into that green? Yeah, but it looks firm, too. I mean, I don't know. It, probably a, a, a three-iron okay, or a hybrid. Not, I get that it's firm, but you're carrying that ball 215 yards. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I'm not sitting here. I don't know if there's a solution to it and what it is. And, like, I think that's a tall task for whoever it is because what you're either doing is you're rolling back a game that has grown immensely, especially during this time, but, like, as a whole over the last 20 years that you're going to roll back some of the equipment that people love. Like, I – it's a challenging thing to, to do to professionals, but then somehow not affect him. It's just a weird, it's a tough problem to have to say the least. Yeah. And one other thing I would say to keep in mind is like Bryson's eight iron loft is probably what Jack Nicholas's six iron used to be. Like that's one thing I wouldn't fight against that much is if they put some kind of standardization in place on like what loft each club has to be aside from like driver and, and your woods. Like, but if they said, 
you know, eight iron has to be this loft and everybody has to play the same loft on their irons, that would be okay with me. AJ, you were raising your hand. <laughs> yeah, raised hands don't get you anything nowadays. Um, what I was going to say about the courses is if you – they were talking about how Wingfoot stands up to a challenge despite technology, that it's still a good course over time. But some of these courses that they've played major championships at are landlocked. And so you're not going to be able to increase distance at all by any means. So you're, you're either going to have to come up with new courses and how many new courses are being built nowadays that can – be who knows if it will ever have to get to 8,000 yards or something to be a professional tournament or to hold a professional tournament. But how many new courses are being built nowadays where the technology isn't an issue and, or well, if someone hits it too far, it isn't an issue and you can still have a difficult golf course. I don't know. I mean, yeah, that's no, it's, it, it, it's, it's, that's what I said. It's, it's a tough problem to have to solve, but I don't know. I want to talk about some of the other players in the field um one guy we haven't even touched you want to on. Go over our uh the people we picked to start yeah do you know the winners I yeah I, I was doing that who won so the uh winner of the tournament is not colin because he came in last only three of his six people <laughs> made the cut that's a tough one i believe uh, only two of my six made the cut <laughs> no you got shoffley adam scott and shane lowry okay so you you got you got uh three of your six to make that's the quality cut. Sam, you, you weren't able to replace Scheffler, correct? No, I did replace him. With who? Uh, uh, Preston DeChambeau. No, I replaced him with was – it, was it not Matthew Wolf? I'll go back and look at the text right now. No, uh, it was I believe Matt it was. Wolf. I believe it was Matt Wolf. And I actually think even? I did it with – what? That's convenient for you, Sam. Well, Very he finished convenient. even, right? It's in the text. Well, but it's not what he finished even. You take the four best scores of each round. Right? I know, but right now you're counting a plus 21, so the fact that he was even is pretty freaking big for you. <laughs> well, um, I feel like I thought it was differently. I thought it was the best four rounds of your six for round one and the best four rounds of round of, – but I could be off. But let me let me validate I thought just that. doing top finishers because I, I just put where everyone finished. Well, clearly we all really know what the hell we're doing here. Jesus. <laughs> well, if that's the case, then Jimmy wins because he had DeChambeau, Hideki, Jason Day, and Harris English to combine for plus 19. You came in second then with your top four being John Rahm, Matthew Wolf, Tony Finau, and Will Zalatoris at plus 21. And then Max came in third with DJ at plus five, Simpson plus six, Berger plus 13, Sung JM plus nine for a total of plus 33. I came in fourth with McElroy at plus six, JT plus six, Hovland plus seven, Cantlay plus 15 for 34. And I'm picking myself fourth because I had at least four people in cut. And then Colin with his three, uh, Shoffley, Scott, and Lowry shot the three, 33 over. So, so Sam. Yeah. I, you want to talk players. I want to know who you're most disappointed in this league. My biggest disappointment, other than Scotty Scheffler just not being able to play, like th that as like a whole was very disappointing. Um, I think he here's what I would say, and I, you guys might be like, well, this is kind of irrelevant, but like Phil Mickelson just completely being out of the golf tournament after his front nine or whatever on Thursday was just like, so I wanted there to be so some magical. sort of Phil storyline. I wanted there to be some Phil storyline. And I, like, there I knew was. it wasn't going to win, but. The, the storyline, I think, Sam, is that he no longer takes himself seriously and he has moved on from all this and he just, 
I don't know. He's not. Scumbags should go to the Champion Store. That's what I say. Yeah. Take us <laughs> down mean, to the Champion Store. In Phil's, more defense, in Phil's defense, Tiger was just as irrelevant as him. So. That Players League, Sam, that opposition to the PGA Tour is looking pretty tasty for Phil right now, I think. I'm telling you, he's going to do the PGL. I mean, he played. He played so bad. And you could see the visible frustration on his face. And he's like, I'm so sick of this. And it's like, well, Phil, you know, I don't think any of his gimmicks have anything to do with him not playing well at winged foot. But it's like, what do you, what do you expect, man? Like, I, I don't know. Uh, he just, he played so fucking bad. It, I yeah, think, I mean, I don't, yeah, you, we all know that. Like, he, he sucks. Like, it's, just, it's tough. They're truthfully disappointed in anyone playing. I I wasn't disappointed in anyone. Though, like, those two performances with Tiger and Phil, I wouldn't say are disappointed. I just am not shocked at how they played. But I wouldn't say I'm disappointed with that. Um, I can confirm I did take Matthew Wolf. Thank you. Um, and But as for, like, people that I was shocked that played well, again, like, there's just no one up there – it's everyone in a major championship I mean, that you expect. I mean, the guy you can say he's shocked is Will Zalatoris. I mean, tied for yeah. sixth. Are you kidding me? Like, Lee Sam, Westwood. Sam, you were, was coming. Sam, you weren't shocked, though. You can give yourself another pat on the back there if you want. We'll give you, like, five seconds. I've been talking about that guy for three weeks. Like, <laughs> except. Now, well, one thing, one guy I want to talk about, it, it's hard to say you're disappointed with somebody who finished in the top ten, but. DJ? No, McElroy. Oh. He just. <laughs> I feel like the clock's ticking on him and he's clearly like a top two player in the world. And he just hasn't, hasn't done anything in the majors in so long at this point. And uh, he had two good rounds this week, a 67 on round one, a 68 in round three, but then his other two were 76 and 75. And I just um, don't quite know, you know, why he's not putting four rounds together like he used to, but I think that's one guy who can, who can say a, a tied for eight finish is disappointing. I mean, what about DJ comes in hottest player in the world. And like, we're, we're again, we're sitting there talking about guys who didn't finish in the, or, you know, who did finish in the top 10. Um, he backdoored into T6 at five. Yeah. Um, that's a backdoor finish for him. that Xander birdie kept him out of the top five on 18. So like, again, yeah, it's like, are we disappointed? I mean, I think the more disappointing thing with him is not like, Hey, you finished sixth place. Cause that's still like good. Like he's now had, six straight top six finishes or something like that. But I think it's like, he just was never there. And that's the more disappointing thing with DJ is like, he was always, he, he shot what five over in round one or something right around there. And he, 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 you was, know, he, he shot 73, three over. Okay. So he, but he was never really in the tournament. It, what we were talking about, Colin, how like there was no coverage. Of, right. he, he was right. never, he was never competitive or scaring the leaders by any right. means. And I was okay with not seeing him. Like, yeah. And, he, then, yeah. and I was okay with that, but, but uh, I would say I'd be disappointed with him. I mean, he had the second best round today, shot even, but like would have been great if he just was there. Cause I want to see him in one of these big events against a, like a guy like Bryson, like that would have been awesome to watch. Sorry, Colin, one second. I, I would just say like, it's a little less disappointing for DJ though, just cause he's played so well the past three weeks. That's why I kind of point to McElroy as the one who, who should mm -hmm. be a little more disappointed. Yeah. DJ took home a $430,000 paycheck with a backdoor finish. Yeah, so I have a couple things that I want to address. One, I'll get to the players that I'm disappointed in, but first, um, so just Ricky Fowler, like the, the whole class of like Ricky Fowler, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, Roy McIlroy. Now, two of those guys finished much higher than the other two, um, but like Ricky finished 17 over, 
Jordan misses the cut. Um, I can't be disappointed. I expect that now from Jordan. Except for I know, the but like, like, like that's like it's like where did the where did these guys go? You know what I mean? It seemed like it was overnight that these guys just like fell off the face of the earth. Like we're still waiting on Ricky for that first major. Not that I expected him to come in Wingfoot and play well, but I mean, those are just guys. Just overall, that I'm disappointed in. They 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 need to be. I wish I knew what the um, what what the issue was there and how to fix that. But um, the other thing that I want to address was Azinger coming out and saying some guys are here for trophy, others are here for a paycheck. And I'm like, really? Like, I I think it's a big big statement to say that some of these guys are here just for the money and that they don't want to win the U.S. Open. Didn't? That's how I I was it. talking to someone this weekend, and they were saying that Louis Tyson loves farming and would do that full time, but he knows he can make so much more money playing golf, and he just does it for the paycheck. Yeah, when he won the uh, the Open at St. Andrews, that he went and bought some, like, John Deere tractor. That was what he spent a lot of his money on. So, yeah. Colin, to answer your question, I think they all care about winning. And I think what Azinger probably meant was, like, a guy like Joel Damon or a Kevin Kisner, where, like, they've been very adamant about talking about the money that they're winning. And when they're, hit, like, play, hitting putts on the back nine, they're, talk, like, knowing where they're at money-wise. Now, Kisner always jokes about how he has, like, no chance to ever win a U.S. Open. But he's still clearly coming here trying to win. I think his what Azinger meant was, like, hey, the, like, DJ knows he's not in it at this point. So he's just trying to collect a paycheck. Now, whether or not – I don't know. I'm, I'm just assuming that's what he meant, but I yeah. could be off. I don't know. But he said this, like, on Saturday when Cabrera Bayo was, like, on the first tee. And it was like, <laughs> some guys are here for a paycheck. And everybody took that as, like, meaning yeah, Rafa. Rafa, because he had been – he has played – he's played in everything. Like, like he – you know, if he wins, it's almost like a secondary prize to the hundreds of thousands or potential millions of dollars that he'd make from winning. Yeah. And I'm just like, I, I don't know, man. I think, yes, that's a, I, that's a byproduct of, you know, professional sports that we live in. Um, but I think every single one of these guys would take a U.S. Open, you know, championship, mm-hmm. meaning more to them, I suppose, than, than the check. But I that's just yeah. my opinion. Yeah, well, Azinger is good for a hot take or two. So I appreciate, you know, uh, his candidness. Yeah, you were just, you were just talking about how you love the broadcast. Now you're ripping on him for the statement. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ripping on him for the statement. I just disagree with it. I love, I love when he comes out hot and heavy with something like that. Um, well, so what about takeaways, thoughts on Shoffley? Other than, I mean, he had like bogeyed five straight on the back nine. Yeah. I, 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 he's got it. Like, he's always there. He seems like he's very yeah. competitive in these majors, but he's another guy like, I, you don't want to put him in the category of like a Tony Fino by any means. Cause like Sanders won a few times, but like, does he have a problem winning? Like, do we, do we, are we starting to think about that? I mean, I don't, I think it's a little too soon to, He's never to put him in any, either. any bucket quite yet. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, you think about guys though, like Sergio and Ricky Fowler who are like, well, Sergio took him a while to win with, with Ricky still hasn't won his major. I mean, Xander's been there so many times at this point, though, you might start letting those thoughts creep into your mind that, you know, he may just have difficulty winning the trophy. But um, yeah, it, it's Bryson's 27 and just won his first major. Xander's 26. So yeah, like, yeah. no, I know. I'm, 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 I'm not saying that I'm not saying I'm ready to put him in that category yet. I'm just saying it's starting to kind of trend that way, though, that if he uh, if he kind of keeps being in contention and not winning, you might you might start 
throwing those kind of words around. Yeah, and I guess my point was, like, he's never had a, a final round lead, or I don't think so, but, I, like, going into a major. But I think here's his major championship wins since 2017 in the U.S. Open, a T5, T6, T3, and fifth place finish. In his last, in his four U.S. Opens, like I mean, that's four straight top six finishes. Um, in the Masters, he had a T2 in 2019, T10 in the PGA this year. I mean, he's had six top tens in majors, but again, he's never like it, it has never felt like he he choked it or blew anything like that or blew it. Right. So you're right. For me, I don't want to sit there and say because I'm a big fan of him and, and I like, but I feel like I'm the one starting this narrative now. So that's probably not a good thing. <laughs> I feel like. The U.S. Open is the test of the true golfer compared to the other three majors where you could potentially win another major not having your best game. But I think the U.S. Open, you need to have the best overall game, I guess, to to win that major. Does that make sense? I don't know. Like, you're... That, that, like, the yeah. U.S. Open, you need to be the best overall golfer where yeah you might not like like DeChambeau might not hit the most fairways but like overall like he made a lot of putts today too and but like in another major I I just think the U.S. Open exposes illuminates whatever flaws in people's games by not hitting fairways and even their mental game too that it just tears them down where you see Tiger look like he was giving up on Friday after his round, but like other majors, like at the PGA, it's like, can you get away with not having your best stuff, but still beat the rest of the crowd? Uh, yeah, I, I get, get what it. you're saying, AJ. And I, so AJ kind of to comment or to jump on that is like very good point. How you talk about like Tiger looking like he was beat up after a U.S. Open, like abused, battered, all these things. A lot of these players did even like Justin Thomas after a second round, when he was able to grind it out and get in at like two under, he looked like he like went through war. And a lot of these guys did, except for one person and it was DeChambeau and like I know we always talk about like there's so much going on in his head and there's so much stuff but like you're do you think like his level of work ethic was able to mentally prepare him for tests like this where they're they're not only so physically taxing but also like mentally taxing on a person's body over the course of four days and is that why like Brooks won two back to back because the U.S. Open is one of the most grinding events yeah and if he was there this week, would he have been up and it would have been Brooks and DeChambeau? Do you think he tweets out a congratulations to his favorite guy? No, I don't think Brooks has the cooth uh, to congratulate Bryson here. But uh, AJ, I think, uh, I mean, obviously Brooks wasn't there for whatever reason and he was absolutely nowhere near, in my opinion, U.S. Open form. So I think he would have done very poorly at this U.S. Open had he tried to grind it out and play just for the the sake of doing it. I agree. But I would have liked to see Brooks, you know, had he been in, you know, playing form, I'd love to see him play this golf course. Um, And I think he would have, you know, been in the mix had he been in form. Yeah, I'm still thinking about your question, AJ. I'm I'm trying to decide if you can win at Augusta without having your A game all around. I, I would say I agree with you for the PGA, just because typically it's an easier setup. You can win without your A game. And I think... The I British the Open, open the, the greens being slower over there. I think uh, typically you don't have to be – typically your putting can not be as good and still uh, have a chance there. But I don't know about Augusta. I, I mean, there's no rough, but you still have to drive it pretty straight, obviously. Mm-hmm. 
I don't. Yeah, I don't know where I stand on that one, but I, I, think, I agree with you for the most part. What about? I, sorry, Sam. I think the X factor. I think the X factor that where I agree with AJ that the U.S. Open is uh, where where you need everything on you know on point is the mental game. Uh, that that just absolutely beats you down, and that separates people. I mean, you could see Matt Wolf being visibly frustrated towards the yeah. end. I mean, he was throwing his hands up after shots and he was ducking hook, you know, duck hook. He, he looked just like, so confused. <laughs> right. And Bryson, Bryson, after every single shot, regardless of the outcome was head down, looking at his book, moving on to the next. And he does that every, so I, I think that that's uh, Jimbo. I think that's why uh, I would have to agree with AJ and say the U S open. Was the cameraman picking up Bryson breathing heavy or was the cameraman breathing heavy himself? <laughs> I think it was Bryson. Bryson's a big Bryson. guy. He's, he's beefcaked, man. He, he got it. There's a lot of breath going in. There was, uh, oh but boy. A couple other guys. Sound like I, he was in labor. A couple other guys I do want to talk about. Harris English, another strong week from him. Just <clears> absolutely <throat> feathering the ball up there and consistently just hitting the ball like a, you know one of the best Flushing. out there. Flushing um, is Azinger's word. Machine. Uh, it was cool to see like like Zach Johnson in the top ten. I know we always rip on him, but like major championship winner like that's a fantastic week for him he's not been playing well lately and like table like I, hopefully this is maybe a sign of things to come come justin thomas tough like weekend clearly just couldn't find a fairway rounds two three four because he was just all over the planet but uh patty reed leader going into the weekend also was not finding the fairway but was able to miss it in the right spots he'd steven said hey i got a couple good lies a few times and was just rolling it and then struggled struggled on the weekend um i kind of found myself cheering for him though as mad as that might sound. How terrible would it be, though, for Patrick Reed? You make a hole-in-one, and, like, for any of us, you make a hole-in-one at Wingfoot, you're probably ecstatic as hell. And then he just completely implodes on the weekend, and it's like, does that hole-in-one really mean that much to him anymore? Like, Sam, I, uh, I don't know if I would go as far to say that I was rooting for him, but I think I know what you mean. I found myself admiring the guy's resilience. I think he has unbelievable resilience because he knows – his history and he knows um i mean he knows that people aren't necessarily for him and he just i mean he goes about his business and you know it's 36 hole leader anyway so i admire that about him i don't know if i was rooting for him but i, I think yeah. i know what path you were going down mm -hmm. with that. well and so i think the last i mean so obviously I, we, we don't talk about tiger a ton like it's great if he's there it's good like to pay attention to him uh disappointing that he didn't make the cut same with Callum morikawa but I oh Jordan Speed too a couple games tough guys you didn't miss you have to admire okay admire or not but Speed at least going to the media and being like look I'm struggling like this guy is on national spotlight he used to be a fantastic player and now he just has to go answer media questions and for him to actually sit there and take it and be like look I don't have my best stuff I'm lost as hell right now like most relatable thing that you could say for most of us out there that. He He's going to win at Augusta. He's very comfortable <laughs> there. He's going to win at Augusta. Um, but, Colin, I can't leave you off the hook, man. We got to talk about <laughs> Will Zalatoris. Like, guy no one's ever heard of. I'm praising him. Tied for sixth finish. Are you kidding me? Shoots even one over on the weekend to vault himself into T6 with DJ, the hottest player in golf. So you got to know this guy's I'll, name. I'll put I'll put myself on blast here and just go ahead and say I'm glad that we didn't make that bet uh, on the on the podcast here because I'd have been humiliated. But I feel like for the sake of uh, transparency, um, we we need to just at least lay it out for people. I told Sam that I would take a Spieth win before I took a Zalatoris top twenty and was humiliated this week <laughs> by 
all th- by Sam, by Zalatoris, and by Spade. So, <laughs> and, but however, Sam gave me horrendous odds. That was bullshit. No, but, I didn't. When you say I think there's a better chance of speed of all people winning the goddamn U.S. Open over Zalatoris getting a top twenty, I was like, all right, well, if we're gonna go straight up, I gotta get odds. I, I don't know. Anyway, I mean that was the bet. I lost miserably. He's Good. but Will he's going to be a name great to player. think about. Just great keep player, remembering great it. Golfer. it Spate absolutely fucked me sideways. <laughs> but, but seriously, remember Zal Torres. He would have he won the Corn Ferry Tour last season. He was number one on the money list. Obviously, doesn't go because of the COVID rules. So he's still there, and he'll, he'll most likely bowering like missing every single cut the rest of the way. Still get in next year, but like he's a guy. He's only won once in the Corn Ferry Tour. You need to win three times to just quickly jump up. Um, Hopefully he can get on the tour sooner rather than later because he's a guy who's way better than dudes like Burns Wiesberger and some of the other players on tour right now. <laughs> I'm just, just cracking a, up. Just a residual, like, <laughs> residual below the belt shot to Burns Wiesberger. <laughs> sucker punched. I'm just cracking up. Brighton is just housing energy drinks or protein shakes on his post-round presser here. Jimbo, uh, you had a question for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So – so now we have two majors under our belt. This obviously this year has been strange. We had two first-time winners, Morikawa and now Bryson. I was wanted to see what your guys' thoughts are. Do you think, without having fans, do you think these two majors were easier to win than than the normal year's majors? Or I guess another way of saying it, do you think if we had fans, do you think we would have had the same two winners in these two majors? I think no. it would be interesting. I don't think you would have the same two winners if there were fans, because you did see some people have to take lost balls in the rough. So, like, if fans yeah, were happy, U.S. Open cost this- me my fantasy league. Yeah. So, if you if you lost having fans at the U.S. Open probably would be beneficial. I think Bryson still wins. I think if fans were there, but maybe at the PGA, I don't know if Colin Morikawa would have won if fans were around. So, yeah, and I, AJ, I'm 100% with you. I, I think Bryson still wins the U.S. Open. I don't think it impacts him. You know, he's a pro. He knows how to handle the spotlight. I think – now, Mark Howell, there wasn't a lot of, like, spotlight on him going into the final round. Like, he just popped off on the back nine. So, like, you could maybe say, does it does that change? Does it not? Does he just catch lightning in a bottle? Um, I don't know. I just – I think, like, like for example, if there were fans today – now, Wolf had a tough day in general. I think Wolf, like, maybe shoots 1,000. Not not 1,000. That's, that's ambitious. But, like, I think he struggles much more on the front nine than he did uh, until where he kind of started to crumble on the back nine today. Oh, I'm with you on that, Sam. I think he definitely shoots 126 if fans are there. Uh, but I'll disagree with both of you that I think we absolutely have the same winners because it's so hard to quantify that fan factor. I mean, how do you measure that? Like, Not to mention, if you look at this leaderboard, no one up there is a huge fan engager. Bryson, I, I, I don't think that he's a real fan engagement. And then you look at the leaderboard, Morikawa, no. Uh, Paul Casey, no. Dustin Johnson, definitely not. Jason Day, does he still play golf? Matt Wolf, no. <laughs> Scotty Scheffler, no. Tony Finau, no. Uh, I mean, so there's just nobody there that's a huge, like, and on the other side, as a fan, are you like, you know, are you going that hard for Matt Wolf? Probably not. So I, I disagree with both of you. I think that the outcomes are the same. Well, yeah, but it's, I mean, it's not about Bryson. It's not about, like, whether you feed off of it or not. It's about, like, the added pressure. 
Uh, yeah, I just no, I think I, like that opening tee shot on the first hole, the U.S. Open, when you have a two shot lead and slept on it, and you're 23 years old playing your first U.S. Open and second career major, and you have 20,000 people all around you watching it. I think there's a little bit more of a fear factor on that tee shot. But okay, yeah, I, I disagree. What, though, how because... do you how do you take that though? So yeah, there's a bit of a fear factor. But if you stripe it down the middle, your energy level probably goes from like your adrenaline probably makes you want to play even better then. Yeah. But if you start shaking them, you're like, oh shit, here no. we go. I think, I think really the only guy who, who would have significant advantages from fans being there, I guess, to answer your question, Colin, and maybe I'm kind of backtracking and saying, like, I think Bryson still wins. More Kyle, I said, I don't know, but he, like I said, like Phil and Tiger, Rory, like those are the guys where if they're up near the lead, then it's a much, like there's a big, I think there's a big added bonus for those guys because they know how to play under the pressure. Right. There's so much chaos around for some of the other guys. Right, well, but none when of those, you don't see those guys on the leaderboard, I kind of get what you're saying. Yeah, and, like, none of those guys, none of those guys, they're all quiet. You know what I mean? Like, they go about their business, and if they are talking to their caddy, Bryson, Bryson just talks to himself and has internal conversations with all Breeze, his personalities. Heavily. Like, he – I just don't think any of those guys – and not to mention, like, I, I suppose there's a nervousness aspect, um, but I, I think that we underestimate um, – their ability to deal with that like for all of us like yeah you know i uh, maybe cold hard top one off that first tee but like these guys like they play in front of all these fans the environment is different i get with a major but they play in front of that many fans all the time i, I think that that is less of a factor than you would think well boys I guess I think it's probably time to wrap it up I, you know our next major is the masters in early uh, november really looking forward to that um we kind of get some really really great action as the season's now underway we're two weeks in um just a couple of fall series events that are, are definitely less interesting so we'll, we'll find some other ways to to get some interviews on at this point but um i guess did you guys question have any real quick fall yeah i was gonna say before we close it out does this does the u.s open points and everything have any effect for like yes. fedex cup yep. or anything like that for next year yeah, it's okay. all included. It's it's all lumped in. So there's just like six majors on it for this season compared okay. to normally four. Um, Rory, Rory wins at Augusta in November, by the way. Is that your hot take? I think Bryson wins. No. No, you, you can't wins. say Spieth wins and then you just say <laughs> oh, Bryson. Yeah, you're right. No, no, no. If Spieth doesn't win, it's going to be Bryson or Zalatoris. Hey, we have a lot of episodes between now and then. Sam can uh, list off the entire Sam will just no, I said it. like he usually does. Fred I said Hamilton, it early. Fuzzy Zeller. Just give me some of those guys in there. Any <laughs> couples. Sandy Lyle. Freddie Couples will have the lead on Thursday, but no, Charlie Hoffman. It's it's like death yeah. taxes and Charlie Hoffman leading the round <laughs> one of the Masters. I said it. I think I said it like way back in March or something. That's that's Rory. Rory's tournament to to lose. Maybe that was also when he was just like the best player on the planet, getting seven straight top fives. He's you can't struggling. you can't forget to uh, let everyone know that we're playing in the Barstool Classic tomorrow, Sam. Yeah, Agent, which do this we want to let like, people know that? It's just a podcast supporting another podcast, you know? Look, we're trying to make our way to Pinehurst. Um, hopefully, we're able to accomplish it. AJ and I were able to succeed in our, our last team event. Um, we, we lost in a scorecard playoff for first place in the next-gen event, AJ, uh, yeah, for Kauai I, I got Island. confused there. I was like, last time we were um, teammates. We lost a scorecard well. playoff to our <laughs> teammates. Um, but, no, AJ and I, you know, at, at the home golf course – we got to play well. Got to go low. 10.40 tea time tomorrow. It's going to be a nice brisk fall day. Last day before they aerate the greens. Yeah. Well, since since we're a bigger podcast than them, you guys could probably 
make this a tax write-off as a for charity since you guys yeah. are kind of we're just using the company them. card yeah <laughs> you, 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 are you saying it's just charity james you have no faith in us <laughs> no i'm saying you're helping out a lesser podcast by going and playing in their event oh okay yeah we didn't help perfect the guy now there. we're gonna be sued <laughs> <laughs> for defamation and slander yep yep i think it's fine um well boys i i had a lot of fun this was a great u.s open i think you know, Agreed. last time it was in September, Francis, we met one. I don't think they told us that 5,000 times. Um, but again, big congrats to Bryson Beefcakes, to Shambo. All those protein shakes are clearly paid off. Oh.